Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Long time no see. So... (laughs) Uh, I didn't get that joke. Uh, it's good to have you guys with us today. We're in a series called Broken to Blessed, if you've just joined us. And you go ahead and turn your copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. That's Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 1. There's a story of a farmer who had a crop that was suffering. And so he wanted to improve his crop. That's how he made his livelihood. So he went and took the money that he had and bought superior seed for that crop. Well, over the next few years, the crop did well. And it began to grow. But his neighbor comes to him and says, my crop is suffering. Can I buy some of that seed from you? Because, man, it's going really bad. And and the farmer said, no, you can't buy any of that seed from me. You can't have any because I want mine to be the best. I want to be superior. So the neighbor went and bought the cheaper seed and began to use that with his crops. And over the next couple of years, his crop the one who had the superior seed began to get bad and get worse. And he was wondering what happened. And he traced it back to the neighbor's inferior seed was actually destroying his crop. And he realized that selfishness, not wanting to give out what he had to someone else, was the thing that destroyed his own crop. And if you're honest today, you know that selfishness can destroy the best of anything. Here's what we've been looking at. If you've just joined us, we're in a series called Broken to Blessed. And if you feel broken, if you feel like you have issues, you've come to the right church because we're a bunch of broken people with issues. So welcome to Thrive Church. We're glad to have you today. And what we've been looking at is, is how do we as broken people, how do we have blessed relationships? How do we see God's flourishing hand in our relationships because we're broken. So here's what we did. Week one, we looked at friendship and that the right friends are important. Matter of fact, you could be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny, good or bad. The second week, we did something that most churches would never do. We talked about social media. It's one of the largest communities in the world, and people interact on it. And how do we leverage that for the gospel? How do we as broken people not argue all the time with other people on social media? Of course, you never, never do that, do you? None of you guys have ever done that before, right? You're like, <laughs> you may have done it this morning. Uh, last week, we actually talked about overcoming the pain of divorce and we've been in a hurtful relationship, how do you move forward in that? And today what I want to talk to you about is marriage. Now, I just said the M word in church and there's different reactions to that. Some of you are not married today. Maybe you did go through a divorce. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're a young person who's not married yet and you're saying, well, this is not for me. Uh, I don't need to listen to this. This is not relevant to me. Maybe you have a really great marriage today. Maybe things are the best it's ever been. So you have the tendency to want to check out. But can I tell you, this message today is for everyone. You can actually insert the word relationship where I put marriage if it doesn't apply to you. You can say, okay, relationship is what I'm going to share today. And I'm going to use marriage a lot. This is key for any relationship in our lives. Any relationship. And I want to talk to you about selfishness. Versus being selfless in our lives. And so here's today's big idea. We're going to build everything upon this. Write this in your notes. The one constant in any bad marriage, or you can put relationship, is selfishness. The one constant in any bad relationship, any relationship that goes south, any relationship that suffers is selfishness. 
And what we're going to look at in Philippians 2 is that Paul, the apostle Paul, was writing to a church he planted. That he started from scratch. This is the city of Philippi. Now Philippi was one of those major metropolitan cities in that, in that region. And Paul goes in, shares the gospel, and a church pops up and they start impacting the community with the gospel. They start seeing God's hand move in that community. But here's the thing about the, the book of Philippians, the letter he writes to that church. Here's the thing about it. They were going through some divisions in that church. They were going through some serious issues. One of the reasons they were so diverse, like think about it, this lady, lady named Lydia was one of the, the founding members. She was a seller of purple. Can we translate that to today's terms? She was a fashion designer. That's what she did. She was a fashion designer. And then you had Jason who was a jailer. He was the guy who Paul interacted with. He was a, a middle class government employee. And then you had a slave girl. We don't even know her name who was demon possessed and being used by her owners. And so this church was so diverse not only with different classes of people but also Jews and Gentiles and the fight that went on there as well. So Paul is writing this church to say hey guys get on the same page. Don't be divided. I'm going to give give you insight into how to have unity and he shares that with them. Matter of fact, the division was so bad, he puts two people on blast. There are two ladies he calls out by name in later chapters that were arguing. Now, can I tell you something? It is not good if the Apostle Paul puts you in a letter in the Bible. You know why? Because 2,000 years later, you're still in that letter. That's not a good thing. When you pick up that book, you'll always know. I don't know what they're arguing about. Maybe their, you know, one thought their casserole is better than the other at the church potluck. I'm not sure, but those ladies were arguing. So Paul writes to that church about the secret of being humble and being unified and how to have joy. Don't you look at Philippians 2 and what he writes to this very diverse church about this topic. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Now what he's going to do here is actually give some rhetorical questions and the congregation will be saying, well of course, because what would happen is the pastor of the church at Philippi would read this letter to the congregation. So he's asking this, any comfort from his love? Well of course there's comfort. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Yeah Paul. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? They're like, yeah. Then watch what Paul says in verse 2. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Verse 3 is the, the kicker here. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Paul was sharing with them that the key to them having a successful relationship at that church was that they had a humble attitude and they had a selfless attitude. For some reason, he said don't be selfish, not because he just felt like saying it. Somebody was being selfish in there, right? He wrote it for a purpose. And it was breaking down the relationship. And today, I want to show you that anytime relationships begin to fail on any level, it's because selfishness takes over in that relationship. Where it's all about me and it's all about mine. It's all about what I want without regard for the other person. Matter of fact, Merriam-Webster's dictionary says that selfishness is seeking your own advantage, your own pleasure, your own way without the regard for the other person. It's all about me. Now, I'm, I'm a football guy. I love sports. Some of you may not. But two weeks ago, I was watching this, this game as the Green Bay Packers were playing. 
And the Green Bay Packers, I think they were playing the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. They were getting ready to, you know, get the ball back and win the game. But what had happened was one of the running backs for the Green Bay Packers got put on the bench during the game. He wasn't playing well. The coach put him on the bench, and he got angry. Other players heard that he was just mad. He was pouting. And at the end of the game, they put him into the game to return the kickoff. The Packers are going to get the ball. And Aaron Rodgers, discount, double check, State Farm, right? If you, you may know the commercials. He, so, so the coaches are like, hey, 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 Ty, here's what we need you to do. Don't run the ball out of the end zone. Down it. Because if you down it, Aaron Rodgers will get it. And we're going to win this game. It all looked great. But Ty Montgomery told one of his teammates, I'm going to get mine. And without regard of the feelings of the coaches, he takes the ball out of the end zone and he fumbles it. The other team gets it back and they lose the game. And the coaches, everybody was just baffled. Why would you do this? And it came back to selfishness. I'm going to get mine. And that's what he said. And it cost the team the game. I'm going to tell you, selfishness will destroy any relationship. It will destroy any team. It will destroy anybody. So I want to lay out for you today, how do we live a selfless life versus being selfish? Because what happens, this is why this is important for us. When we lead selfish lives, we're what we call relational vampires. We go around and we suck from people everywhere we go. Friendships, relationships, marriage, church, whatever. And you just suck the life and you're on to the next one. And you wonder why you're never satisfied. Why am I never satisfied? The most satisfied people are selfless people. That sacrifice is not selfish people. And you'll go around wondering why no one can give you everything that you want. Because you're always pulling from them. I mean, think about it romantically. When you first meet somebody, the word you say is, they make me happy. And that's good, right? They don't make you happy, don't proceed. <laughs> because it's going to get real bad when you get married. And all of married people said, hey amen. You're not supposed to say that. There's plenty of times I'm going I'm to I'm trick you and don't, don't do it because you'll get in trouble. But you said they make me happy, and that's a good thing. But primarily, it's what you are getting from them that's making you happy. It's the feelings you're getting from them. And what happens in marriage, it's not so much what you get from someone, it's what you give to someone that makes them happy. And so what you'll do is, after a couple of years, after five years, you realize neither one of us are happy anymore. I'm just not happy. Because you have the mindset is, what can I get from them in this relationship? Not what can I contribute to them? Case in point, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Whether you're single, married, divorced, I don't care where you're at in life, this book is so key because you could use this in friendships, parenting, anything. And what he outlines in the five love languages is that every person has a love language, and maybe a secondary love language, right? Like, here's my primary one of how you receive love and how you give love. So for me, I love to give love by acts of service. Man, for my wife... I'm going to do the dishes, I'm going to cook, I'm going to clean, I do the yard, I do the laundry. That's my love language. But some of y'all are like, man, that'd be great. Here's the problem. That's not her love language. Her love language is getting gifts. Guess what I'm bad at, church? You got one guess. What am I bad at? Yes. Gifts. I'm terrible at giving gifts. I just don't, I don't, I'm just bad. I'm really bad at it. So with love languages, usually, whether it's, a, again, a friend, child, a, a, you're married, the, the person receives love. And if you're married, the only person that can fill your invisible love tank up is that other person. That's, 
the only person that can do it. It's the other person. And here's how affairs start. You're not filling that love tank up. And somebody else comes in and says, I can fill that love tank up for you. And that's how those things start. So when you first get married to someone, you meet someone, you're on F, man. You're a fool. Your love tank is full, baby. Right? You're at the wedding pictures, you're so happy. And then over years, if you don't understand being selfless versus selfish and understand these love languages, you get to E. And when you get to E, there's something wrong because there's been more withdrawals than there has been deposits in the relationship. And I had to learn that. Like, for instance, my wife, I told you, loves gifts. That's what she loves. And it's not just like, and you can't go buy her something and she like it. Like, she, she wants me to make her something. Men. <laughs> Thoughtful. I mean, her, her birthday is coming up December 8th. And I've got to think creatively, what can I do to fill that love tank up? You know how I know that? Because in 2017, I made a, a, a disaster of, of Easter. Does anybody do Easter baskets in here? Anybody do Easter baskets? Okay, good. You More than the first service, but most of y'all are depressing. Why don't you do Easter baskets? So my wife, every year we've been married, even before we had a child, we did Easter baskets for each other. We had to go out and pick out little thoughtful things. and, it, and you know, We had a little budget of $15, right? It wasn't the money. It was... It was the thoughtfulness of the gift. And so, um, 2017, guess what happened? We were building a house and selling a house. And my wife told me, she said, hey, babe, just FYI, I didn't get you an Easter basket. And I was like, yes. <laughs> because I interpreted that. And women, be, be kind to men because only half our brain works. Both your sides work. And we can be dumb sometimes. And here's what I interpreted that as. I don't need to get her an Easter basket. She didn't get me one. And can I tell you something? You would have thought that I would have told her I don't love you when she got up that morning and didn't have an Easter basket. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, no, no, no. It went over bad because, again, I, in myself, I don't like giving gifts. doesn't matter to me. But it mattered greatly to her. And so what happened is I made a withdrawal from her love tank. And so then I had to go make more deposits for it. And relationships get to empty when each person's just making withdrawals. What can I get from you? What can I get from you? And eventually you're going to end up on E and wonder why don't we even like each other anymore? Because each person, marriage is 100% each way. It's not 50%. It's a covenant, not a contract. Biblical marriage is a covenant that God has established where each person is the only person on earth that can fill the other person's love tank. And so today, here's our tendency. What we're going to have a tendency to do, and I need you to help me out, we're going to have a tendency to think about other people as I share with you the attributes of a selfish spouse. You're going to have the tendency to even think about your spouse. So here's what we're going to do. I thought about actually getting mirrors for everybody and passing them out when they came in so you can look at yourself. And a staff member told me that was a very bad idea because number one, um, it costs a lot of money. And number two, you'd be looking at the person behind you the whole time and that would be so awkward in church. Could you imagine that? <laughs> if meet and greet's not awkward enough, that's really awkward. So, so here's what we're going to do. Today, you've got to hold your hand up. You've got to do this in church. Help me out. First service did, did really good with it. So this is your hand mirror. And the hand mirror is just for you. You look good, right? You see yourself in there? Right? There's nothing in your teeth? You good? Okay. This is your hand mirror. Okay. So what we're going to do is I share with you the attributes of a selfish spouse. Now, you can think about this as a selfish friend and stuff, but think about yourself as I share these things and what you can do. Don't think 
about other people, what the other person has to do. Think about yourself. Because one thing I'm going to say to you over and over again, you cannot change anybody. If you get into a relationship thinking, I'll change them, you just wait. You'll realize you can't change somebody else. And it's even hard to change yourself, right? Have you ever tried to do a diet and you're like, man, this is really hard, right? So we're going to look at that. So here are three attributes of a selfish spouse. You write these down on your connection card or your notes here. Three attributes. The first attribute is a selfish spouse doesn't forgive easily. Doesn't forgive easily. And here's why that's selfish. Because there's something we do. We punish people by withholding love from them. It's called giving them the cold shoulder. Or maybe you call it the silent treatment. I know none of you have ever done that, right? The stone wall. And you withhold love from that person because they trespassed. You know what trespassing means? It means you've crossed the line you shouldn't have crossed. Maybe that happened on the way to church today. Maybe that happened last night. This will happen in any relationship that you have. You're going to have this time when somebody trespasses, they cross the line, and you're like, you know what? I'm not forgiving you. You withhold love and you punish them. Now let me say this. If you're a person that holds grudges and has bitterness and offense toward other people all the time, and you're always not forgiving people, it may be that you secretly think you're perfect. You may think that your grass doesn't turn brown during winter. That can be said many different ways if you're not in church. I'm just being real, y'all. I'm trying to help you. People who don't forgive easily usually think that they are meeting standards that no one else can meet. They're judging people based on their actions while they judge their selves based on their intentions. And what we have to do is pause and say, you know what? I am a flawed individual who messes up all the time. And that person in my life needs as much grace as I need. That's the story of the gospel, right? Like that's what salvation is. Realizing that you can't save yourself. Realizing, man, that, that, that you're just, ugh. And God comes in. You have nothing to offer him and gives you mercy and grace. And you had nothing to do for it. That's what we have to extend to somebody else. And a selfish spouse or a selfish person in general doesn't forgive people easily. Now you're thinking right now, some of you are saying, yeah, but that's letting them off the hook. <laughs> They've got to pay for what they've done. If you believe in the sovereignty of God and you believe in the principles of sowing and reaping, let God handle that. Let God take care of that. And you, as an individual, can't change what they do, but you can change what you do, right? You got the hand mirror. Look at yourself in the mirror real quick. Pull it out real quick. Do it. You see? Forgive easily. A selfless person doesn't hold grudges because over time, here's what happens. When people come to want to get marriage counseling, which I think every couple should do it, every person should do it. Counseling is great. Actually, it's awesome. I, I, I love, love my counselor. So what happens is when you don't forgive and you don't release somebody, the gap grows over time called resentment. You begin to resent that person because of what they've done. And when you forgive someone, when you repent to them and say forgive me that gap closes and you have the ability right now every marriage has a resentment gap and you know how big it is but forgiving someone is one way to close that gap forgiving them and releasing them of what they have done to you why because God forgave you in Christ right here's the second here's the second point this morning so what does a selfish spouse uh, do? What's their attributes? They will rarely say, I was wrong. They will rarely say, I was wrong. Now, 
They'll say I was wrong, but here's what they'll do, because this is what I do. They'll give you conditions. Well, I'm sorry, but. You ever dealt that game before? I did this because you did this. I learned this so early on in marriage. My wife is as straightforward as it gets, man. She is a straight shooter. So we had this argument, and I offended her. And we're in this little townhouse. We just got married. And she's walking up the stairs angrily. And I said, baby, I'm sorry. And she stops and looks down. I was like, good. But the reason I... And, and she said, are you really sorry or not? Because you're defending your actions. Either, either you're sorry or not. But we're not playing this game. And she walked up the stairs. I was like... This is going to be hard. <laughs> marriage is hard. I told somebody after the first experience, I said, you know, marriage the, marriages that work take work. And so, you, you know, for me, I had to learn the ability to say, I'm sorry. Like, even last night, like, you know, the hard thing is I start preparing on Thursday for this message. I mean, that means it, it's already finished and I'm just going over it, going through it and praying over it. And so, like, I think I got it. And then last night, I offended my wife right before bedtime. Your pastor's not perfect. Welcome to Thrive Church. So I offend her, and this message is ringing through my head. And I'm like, babe, I'm sorry I was wrong. Please understand that's not what I meant, and I'll not do that again. And I'm going to tell you, when you do those things, that resentment gap goes down. But a selfish spouse will rarely say I was wrong. They'll actually go into a counseling session defending their position to fight the other person. Instead of being humble and saying, you know what? Yeah, I screwed up. Please forgive me and I'll do better next time. Here's the third attribute of a selfish spouse. Remember the hand mirror. Don't think about the other person. Get that mirror out. The third one is, is that a selfish spouse disregards the feelings of the other person. They just disregard their feelings. So when somebody shares the, the first or second point, you're like, I don't care. You're cold. And you disregard their feelings. And that gap begins to grow because when somebody doesn't feel like their feelings are validated or valued over time, they feel like they're not loved or cared for. And that gap continues to grow. This can be in any type of relationship. And you have to validate the feelings of that person. No matter if it's not real to you, maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you think it's even dumb they feel that way. But you have to come back and say, you know what? I validate your feelings. I validate how you feel. And I'm sorry I made you feel that way. I've seen people shame their spouse in public about the job they have, the, the way they look, all types of stuff. And they think it's funny. And my wife and I are sarcastic. And we can play that little game there, but, but I never disregard her feelings. You always validate the feelings of another person when you're in a relationship. Always. And here's what this takes. Everything I just shared with you takes being selfless, not being selfish. You get to learn to be selfless. Because to fill somebody's love tank up, to do what's not normal for you, to help them, it causes you to have to be selfless. And any time that you see people hit an impasse in a marriage, and which you will, and if you're there, it's okay, you have to learn to drop it and be selfless and think about the needs of the other person. There's something called the, the Indian talking stick we teach in leadership here at Thrive. And back in the day, you know, in some of the Indian tribes actually had a talking stick. And one person had the floor. 
And they would talk and share what they were upset with, what they were upset about. And the talking stick, when you would give it to someone else, they couldn't make a statement. They could only ask a question to clarify. To, to seek to understand why that person is feeling that way, not to be understood. In any successful relationship, both parties want to understand, not just be understood. And that takes being selfless. Matter of fact, Philippians 2. Paul said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble and think of others' interest more than your own. Paul gave us the mark of every follower of Jesus to have that. And when you do that, you'll find success in relationships. So here's what we do every week. If you're new at Thrive, we give you a next step every week. Because what God wants you to do is not say good sermon and leave and not do it. He wants you to live this out Monday through Saturday. And so here's your next step. If you have your notes handy, write this down. To be an unselfish or selfless spouse, we must care more about them than we do ourselves. We must care more about them than we do ourselves. Now I want you to think about something real quick. In God's covenant of biblical marriage, there is only two covenants that he recognizes. That's the covenant between us and Jesus, right? We're saved. That's a covenant God made with us. Beautiful. And a covenant of marriage. It's the only two he recognizes. And at first, it's easy, maybe if you don't have kids, to like think about like, you don't really think about this, but every parent in here loves that child more than they do themselves. And I guarantee every parent in here would take a bullet for the child. If I said you got to take a bullet for your spouse, you're like, oh, oh wait a minute. <laughs> we often don't, we're not in covenant with our children. Just, just hear me for a second. We're in covenant with our spouse. The strongest human relational covenant is marriage. Isn't that amazing? But usually the person we're in covenant with, we treat the worst. We talk down to, we're short with. What good is it for me to be nicer to you than I am my wife? And she pays attention, don't, don't, don't you worry. She pays attention. See, you have to care more about that other person than you do yourself. The same way you feel about a child, you have to feel that way about the other person. And let me tell you, right now you're saying, but what about them? You cannot fix them. You cannot change them. But you can change you. And I promise you. That's why I tell people all the time. I said, man, uh, we, we have great counselors that we're connected to. Go to marriage counseling. Well, they won't go to marriage counseling. I said, you go to counseling then. Because you can get better. You can get better. You can control your own life and your own destiny, even if they won't go. And I will say this. When you get better, things around you get better. When you are selfless and you serve somebody, things get better. So your next step is think of your spouse. Think about them more than you do yourself. Put them first instead of just you in your life. I told my wife this. I said, here's my goal. I don't want you to ever say, I think I could have done better or even think that. I don't want you to ever, ever have the fleeting thought, you know what? This guy's a jerk and I think I could have done a lot better than him. I want her to be, I want to serve her and I want her to have the best life possible. That's why I do all that I do because I want her to feel that way. Now, what about her? It doesn't matter about her. I'm not talking about her. It's about me. 
If you take that mindset in every relationship, every relationship will get better in your life. Think about this. John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist was, was one of the greatest men of God ever. Jesus said that he is literally the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, John's story was that he's literally like teaching these Jews, he's out there in the wilderness teaching Jews to get baptized and repent. Jews are like, yo, 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 bro, time out. We don't get baptized and repent. Gentiles do. We're Jews. So caravans of Jewish leaders come to see John day after day. What is this guy doing? They would travel for days to see John. John had a following of disciples, people that were bought into his message, bought into his vision. John was building something great. And then John's cousin comes along named Jesus. You may have heard of him. He baptizes him. And then he makes a statement. He says, and I must decrease and he must increase. Matter of fact, do you understand that most of of Jesus' first disciples, you know where they came from? From John. John willingly let followers go. He willingly gave up influence for Jesus. Now, that, that's selfless. To give up your platform, we would call it this day and time, for Jesus. And it paved the way for the Messiah to come. I'm going to promise you, anytime you take a selfless mindset in any relationship, you're going to pave the way for Jesus to get involved in your marriage, to get involved in your friendships, to get involved at your job, and God will do greater things in your life when you have the mindset that I must lay myself down. For, I'm going to be selfless instead of selfish. Now here's the kicker. We're going to pray because this will be the hardest thing you will ever do in your life because we are always drawn back to me. We're always drawn back to ourself. Matter of fact, there was a band growing up. Some of y'all may have heard of them. When, when, when I was younger, they were called Me, Myself, and, and I. And that's what we usually think of. But if we're going to follow Jesus the way that he's called us to, it's others first. Be humble and put them first in our life. Selfless. Let's pray. God, this morning we thank you for the challenge in your holy scriptures to think of others' interests over our own, especially if we're in the covenant of marriage, God. We pray, Lord, that you would help every person in here today to take the mindset of being selfless versus being selfish. God, I pray that if a marriage is struggling in here, is that you would have one of the, 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 the people in that marriage to take the stance to be selfless and to pray and to fill that love tank up of the other person. And God, I pray they would see the other person change because of the stance they're taking. God, help us to be selfless followers of you. To put others' interests above ourselves and above our own. Create a heart of humility in us, God. Help us in every area of our life. We ask this today that you would do this in our hearts. As we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe today you had walked away from God and did your own thing, not serving him anymore. Maybe today is the day that you want to come back to faith in Jesus. Maybe for the first time ever, you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Today it's simple. Right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask you to make a confession of faith and to pray with me and after me today. So right where you're at, if you want to do that, I want you right now to pray this with me and after me. And you say, God, 
I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself by works. Today, I trust in Jesus for salvation. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe he is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross and on the third day rose again. Today, I turn from my old life. I turn from my sins. I ask for forgiveness. And today I receive that. I receive this fresh start. Thank you, God, for welcoming me into your kingdom with open arms. I believe my best days are ahead of me because of Jesus. And it's in your good name that I pray. Amen. Amen. If you guys will.